0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. But I was going into Toski Station to pick up some power converters. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> so today we thought we would talk about something courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Johnny. Johnny says, hey, guys, I thought a good podcast would be on Lasertag. And you guys are number 71 on iTunes. Yay for you. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, sometimes we get all the way up into the forties. And
0: sometimes we drop off that chart entirely. Yeah, we're not, we're talking not talking about those times.
1: Runners. No, let's, let's talk about instead, let's talk about laser tag.
0: Laser tag. Are you, is it out of your system now?
1: Not even remotely.
0: Yeah. Long time listeners will remember that time we have a podcast in which that word is mentioned, Jonathan will do that at least once. Yeah. So, however, a laser tag, in uh, at least in the off-the-shelf go it to your toy store sense, does not, in fact, use lasers.
1: Right. At least not as the uh, the instrument of of uh, transmitting or receiving any sort of tag.
0: But there are some systems that do, and in fact, one of the uh, I would consider it sort of the pioneer system for the whole thing, uh, used by the by the United States military as a training exercise, uh, does in fact use real uh, lasers. So you're talking about the multiple integrated laser engagement system. Yes, I am. Otherwise known as Miles.
1: Yeah. My favorite was when, uh, Paulette actually sent me a link in mm. preparation for this podcast, which was to a subset of that particular system. And here is the full title because it just, it, it tickles me. Okay. The multiple integrated laser engagement system, independent target system slash wireless independent target system or the Miles its wits.
0: You know, they probably don't, uh, refer to it that way. They may actually use a number of some kind. Yeah, to or they're just like the thingy. Yeah. Go grab the thingy. <laughs> Go grab the thingy. Uh, that's, that's actually a pretty substantial piece of hardware. The, the gear that they're using, uh, is much heavier and, uh, uh, much more substantial than the stuff that you will find at your local toys or us.
1: Right. Now this stuff is made to, uh, to really simulate battle conditions as, as closely as possible without Really putting anyone in harm's way. Cause clearly one thing you don't want to do when you're training your soldiers is shoot them. Yeah. That, that turns out to be a bad motivator.
0: <laughs> also, uh, you have to train new ones, but, uh, yeah. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, no, they actually affix the, uh, the laser to the end of an actual weapon. And, uh, right. and they're they will, firing blanks. They like fire that. blank cartridges to simulate the actual experience of what it's going to feel like when you shoot mm. at somebody.
1: Right, because you don't want you don't want to have the experience of pulling a trigger and there's no recoil, there's no yeah. bang, there's no vibration, there's nothing other than just the fact that a little laser shoots out of the end of the gun. Because then, of course, it's not going to handle the way it really would in a true combat situation.
0: No, but it is sort of amusing to think about actual soldiers and actual combat gear running around the field going pew pew pew. Right. Like, <laughs> you're dead. I hit you. No, you didn't. Yes, I, I did. I totally did. You know what? That's funny because in this, these systems actually go back to the 1970s from what I understand. And, mm-hmm. uh, they actually sort of did that in the very first versions. Um, when you would shoot somebody, the system would register that. You had been hit, but people would turn them off and turn them right back on, which would essentially reboot the system, and suddenly they were alive again. Right, and there was get
1: me. There was no connection between the gun and the the sensors. Yeah, so um, which meant that you if, could keep firing. Right, at them. if you if you made if you made it a connection where, I mean, the the thing that makes sense is that if you are hit, then you are incapacitated in some way, especially right. if you're hit someplace that's that's going to be a a. Uh, a pretty critical wound, right? right? If you're hitting the leg, it, theoretically you could keep on firing. Although I would imagine most of us would probably be mostly concerned about trying to get under cover and and to stop the bleeding. You know, it's there are people who, in extraordinary circumstances, can continue to fight even under that kind of a uh, that kind of wound, but. Um, but the way the, the system theoretically should work is that if you were hit in a critical area, your gun would no longer function because mm-hmm. if this were a real situation, you would no longer be able to fire your, your weapon. Right. Um, now the early systems did not have that connection. There was a sensor and there were, or, or several sensors usually placed in, in various strategic areas on the body. Like there might be one on the belt, there might be one or, or several on a vest, uh, on the back of the vest, maybe on the helmet, mm-hmm. um, sometimes on the arms and legs as well. Uh, before the, 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 in the early days, like you were saying, there was mm-hmm. no connection. So if you were hitting the sensor, yeah, it would register that you are quote unquote dead, but you could keep firing the gun, cheating. Or as you said, you could turn it off, turn it back on. It's like rebooting a computer. Suddenly you're alive again. It's like getting extra lives. Sadly, this is not something that pertains to actual battle conditions.
0: No, that is correct.
1: It turns out that if you're shot in battle, you don't have a magic reboot button as much as I wish it were otherwise. So since that is kind of antithetical to the whole purpose of training, I mean, you're not, you're not training so that you win. You're training so that you understand what you need to do in an actual battle situation. Mm-hmm. So eventually uh these systems became more sophisticated so that they could communicate with one another the sensor and the gun mm-hmm. so that the sensor once it was it registered a hit would deactivate the gun so you could not keep firing and yes. you were you were dead mm-hmm. um, another, yeah there are
0: the, ma- many generations from that very first system now
1: right right yes yes it, the system they use now is is far more advanced in fact one of the things i thought was really kind of cool about the system that the the military uses is that they have? Uh, they can actually set the the um, the burst that comes out of the gun uh, and tune it to the various kinds of weapons they actually use, and, or they might actually come into contact with. Right. So right. It's not like a laser from uh, your your assault rifle would be the same as a laser from a handgun, or say a uh, a rocket propelled grenade even. Right. They they can adjust the power and the intensity. And even the, the, uh, the sensitivity of the sensors. So let's say that you, they, they'll often use, um, armored vehicles in these training exercises. Mm-hmm. Well, armored vehicles, of course, I mean, the, they, they have armor and that armor is pretty tough stuff and your average gun cannot pierce it. So if you were to shoot an armored vehicle with one of these guns, your shots might hit your target, but they wouldn't register as a hit because in reality, the bullet would not penetrate the armor. Right. But if you had a heavier weapon um, and you fired at that vehicle, then it might register it as a hit because you've used a weapon that would actually be capable of doing some serious damage to that vehicle. Mm-hmm. This kind of, you know, sensitivity really makes it uh, an effective tool for simulating these these conditions. Now, the version that you see uh, in the the world of of citizens is nowhere near as sophisticated or complex or expensive <laughs> or expensive. Uh, it's still, it still can be fairly complex. It doesn't have to be the, mm. the, the, you know, stupid version, but, uh, I guess what we should probably do is uh, let's, let's go from the low end and work our way up. Okay. So a very basic laser tag system. Yes. As in the kind that originally came out back in the, uh, well, late 70s was when the first one started coming out, but 80s is really when I remember them because that's when I remember laser tag itself debuting.
0: Well, yes. Um yeah, the very the very first one. And I should say that uh, I got a lot of my information from a from a website of a guy named Brian Farley. Mm-hmm. Um who uh if you're in laser tag circles, you might know him as Tag Ferret. Um uh, <laughs> apparently he's a a laser tag enthusiast, but he's also the software engineer and uh co-inventor of the Laser Tag Team Ops line. Of, of toys, uh, which is a newer version of laser tag. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he had a, a pretty neat site that had all sorts of history. Um, and uh, apparently, according to to what he'd said, the very first system uh, was the Star Trek phasers right. that came out in 1979, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because I thought that the uh, the arena style uh, laser tag systems were popular first and that they were a take home product based on that. But apparently I was wrong.
1: Right. It was the, uh, the good old set to stun.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So it was set to laser. But, uh,
0: but, uh, no, it was a, a guy named, uh, George Carter the third who was inspired by the aforementioned, uh, sort of, uh, Star Wars. Who decided he wanted to create a, an arena where you could play uh, a laser gun game. Um, and he's the one who apparently came up with, uh, the system known as Photon. Um, his first center opened in 1984 in Houston. Or and, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. First system, uh, opened in Dallas in 1984. Oh, I gotcha,
1: gotcha. Well, the, the, um, the, these weapons did not use laser
0: beams. No, despite, they do not.
1: despite their name, what they're using are infrared signals. Yes, an and infrared
0: uh, uh, LED, I believe, is yes. usually used as the emitter for that.
1: And uh and so it's outside the the spectrum of visible light, so you can't, you know, we can't see it. It's mm-hmm. we do uh, actually sense infrared radiation mm-hmm. as heat. So uh but there's some problems with infrared signals. Uh now almost all current laser tag systems apart from the military one and a couple of commercial ones for for entertainment use still rely on infrared signals uh but one of the problems is that it's a divergent beam mm-hmm. meaning that it doesn't remain focused like a laser does it doesn't have a, a great range it can bounce off stuff mm-hmm. so you can actually get hit by <laughs> infrared ricochets yes but more importantly in as far as the game goes you don't have to be terribly accurate with one of these guns to register a hit in general. I mean, you can do things to refine it as much as possible, but in general the further away you are, as long as you're within still, you know, the range of whatever the 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 gun you're using is cuz you can change the intensity of these things. Um the further away you are, the less accurate you need to be in order to register a hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um uh, you could tell doing some research actually some of the the uh the knockoff systems the ones that were really inexpensive were using a form of, of visible light uh but those were horribly inaccurate
1: right and if you tried to play them outside you could get you're, hit by the sun
0: yes that's sort of a uh sort of a problem because you in general are gonna want some kind of room to run when you're playing these games right um but uh but yeah i mean in and, and, and it's possible to use a lens to try to focus it down. And some of the laser tag systems, uh, over the years have, uh, done this and, and to varying degrees of success. I mean, um, a lot of the earlier systems apparently used a, uh, an infrared emitter with about a plus or minus five degree, mm-hmm. um, which had sort of a medium-ish range, like a hundred to 200 feet, somewhere in there. Um, from what I read, um, on uh, Mr. Farley's website, uh, some of the more advanced systems um, and also read, read that as expensive systems uh, can get up to around 300 feet, 350 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as you said, I'm not sure how, wh- you know, whether or not they're as accurate from that distance as they would be if you were closer up. Yes, yeah, it's, it's
1: very similar and we'll talk a little bit about remote controls in a second because the two are related.
0: Oh, they're very related.
1: But, uh, it's kind of like if you have a remote control where you can just kind of point it in the, the general direction of the television or cable box or whatever mm-hmm. and it'll, it'll work. Um, that usually means that it's got a, a you know, a decent powered LED and an infrared LED it may even have more than one. Mm-hmm. Some remotes have multiples so that it gives you a wider, uh, angle that you can use to uh, to change the channel, you know I, I don't know about anyone else, but I have played the game of how 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 wide an angle can I get before I can't turn up the volume anymore, yeah, because
0: I don't have friends so um also, will this work if I bounce it off the couch? right How about the ceiling? Yeah, yeah, I've done that so same thing
1: with uh the some of these laser tag games and is the same sort of general idea is that you don't have to be. Uh, like have a dead on aim in order to to really yeah. register uh-huh. a hit now some of them actually do use lasers in the sense that they'll use them as an effect mm-hmm. like they there'll be a second led or a, a second like a, a laser attached to the gun that fires visible light, but that's not what is actually registering hits that's just all it is is just a visual effect to give it that extra little Oomph, so that when you're pulling the trigger, you're not thinking, hey, my gun's not doing anything, right?
0: Hmm. So, um. I hadn't actually realized that some of them actually used lasers like that.
1: Yeah. Again, it's just as an effect. It's not, it's not as a way to transmit a hit. And these infrared systems can get pretty advanced. Now, in the old laser tag system, um, it pretty much meant that any hit was going to register on your target. Like any, any hit from any other laser, uh, laser tag gun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could essentially shoot yourself and because the, uh, the very first system named laser tag and that's laser with a Z, uh, which came out in 1986, uh, by worlds of wonder. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it the gun wasn't connected at all to the sensor. So it right. had no idea who was shooting whom and uh, whose team you were on or any of that information. Yeah, it was just a sensor
1: and just an, an emitter, really. Yes. That's all it was. And it
0: helped to be standing within three feet of your target because otherwise, you know, it wasn't as accurate as you might like it to be. Right.
1: Now the more advanced laser tag systems can do much more sophisticated things. For example, mm-hmm. you could build into your sensor uh, a database of codes this is, again, very similar to what remote controls do. And in the guns, you can set it so that the uh, the infrared beam that it shoots has a very specific series of pulses. So when the sensor is hit, it can actually detect
0: who shot you. And that's very much uh, what goes on with your remote control. Yeah. Because your remote control is using a series of codes as well. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't be able to tell... Which number you're pressing if you want to change a channel or whether you want the volume up or down or power if you on want or power off. on or off yeah each each of those has its own identifiable code, so um you know, so yeah like you, if you push if you push volume do.
1: up this series of, this series of pulses comes out, and then what happens is the receiver that the sensor picks up those series of pulses. It uh, converts it into binary and then consults its little database to see what that command translates to. Same mm-hmm. sort of thing with Laser Tag, it'll look up its database and say, "Oh well, player two was the one who shot you," and so you can see at the end of the game who it was that was, you know, plaguing you. And if it was someone from your own team, you can chew them out.
0: Yes. But uh,
1: and and a lot of these systems also will include uh, a radio frequency transmitter mm-hmm. and that is sending signals to the master control, not the master control program. I was about to go into Tron there for a second. Uh, the master control unit, which will then kind of act as a, uh, a score, a scoreboard, mm-hmm. you know, keeping track of who shot whom and which team is winning and that kind of thing. And, um, again, it's just that the sensor picks up the hit, sends a signal to the RF transmitter, which then sends a signal to the master control unit. And, uh, and it keeps record of your score. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool system. I'm, I have never played in one of those uh, laser tag arena th- type things. I've played the – back when I was a kid in the 80s, I actually did play with the the laser tag system, the, mm-hmm. the first one that hit in, in 86, like you said. Um, but that was very primitive compared to these.
0: Yes, yes. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of history uh, out there about those systems. Um, I was one of the people that um, apparently when Worlds of Wonder – uh, went into bankruptcy in 1989, uh, it was really easy to pick up the original laser tag system uh, on the cheap, which is what uh, I and two of my uh, closest friends did in high school. And I remember, um, you know, we'd go up to school at night and run around in parts of the area where they had, you know, the, the school trailers and stuff, uh, and we would play laser tag. However, um, it would probably have... Benefited us if we had paid attention to what was going on because, um, as a matter of fact, somebody was, uh, somebody was actually, it's not funny. I don't, didn't mean to, to laugh, but it, ironically enough, somebody was actually killed playing at a school, uh, when a police officer who was responding to a call about somebody running around the school with a gun, uh, you know, he was investigating and when the, uh, the kid had the laser tag gun and pointed it at him, he, Fired in what he thought was self-defense, so I wouldn't recommend if you decide to go out and buy a laser tag kit that you run around in places where it is dark and you may or may not appear to be up to no good.
1: Yeah, uh, of course, that's not a good. Back thing. in the '80s, this was back still in the time where you would be able to purchase toy a black guns. Gun. Yeah, yeah, toy guns that look like at least you know an analog to a real gun. Nowadays, it's all neon colors, of course. That always raises the question in my mind what stops someone from painting a real gun a neon color? But let's not go there, shall yeah. we?
0: Well, enough people paint the fake guns black, so the people. Yeah, don't it's really all have just to. a
1: big, crazy <laughs> mix-up anyway. Um, <laughs> um,
0: but uh, no, actually, in response to that, um, Worlds of Wonder, although it was still operating under bankruptcy conditions, uh, did make some white different white weapons. And they came out with a, with a whole bunch of other stuff too. After uh, they, after they initially went under the company reemerged uh, a couple years ago, they, a few of the original founders formed a new company um, and uh, called shoot the moon products, which is still in existence. Um, and they licensed their stuff to, to tiger and they came out with a whole bunch of new stuff. They even had a, uh, uh, basically a blast bazooka laser tag bazooka that would function as a mortar, as a bazooka or as a rifle. Uh, depending on what it was attempting to do.
1: I guess that just uh, increases the area of effect.
0: Yes, yes. Well, I mean, if you're using it as a bazooka, it would it would fire in a, in a very short pattern, but in a wide array. So virtually anybody within a certain area is going to get hit. Um, and in mortar mode, it would actually fire in an arc uh, and protect its sensor from an attack from the front. And if you used it as a rifle... It would actually, now I'm going from the marketing copy. Sure. Here, so I'm just trying to figure out how site, you
1: fire infrared
0: ray in an arc. In an arc. Yeah. I was kind of wondering that too, but that's what it's supposed to have done. Uh, yeah. And then in so the rifle mode, it is, is a highly, t- you know, it's a very precise and more precise. And right. Less as precise range. as
1: infrared gets anyway. Well,
0: yeah, but I, I don't think it was, uh, it wasn't, uh, sending the signal out over as wide a range as when it was in the other mode, but, uh, Apparently it was really neat and again really expensive because you know it was a larger toy.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. And some of the guns uh, would have. I, I remember reading about one that would have sensors on the gun itself, so that if the gun were hit um, a certain number of times, it would stop working. And and of course, a lot of the laser tag uh, games that are in arenas or whatever are on systems where. Similar to the military, if you are hit uh, a certain number of times, your gun will stop working and you have to go and recharge in yes. order to uh, to continue playing. Um, it's, it's a lot simpler now than it was back in the 80s when really the only option you had back then if you wanted to try and achieve that would be to tether the gun to the vest, right. which you know then affects your mobility. Yeah,
0: but it would uh, – and it also would involve some hacking, especially on these uh, off-the-shelf – Systems that you would get for forty or fifty dollars. What's interesting
1: is I have seen plans on the internet for building your own laser tag gun and sensor systems. Interesting. I looked through them and they are well above my uh, area of expertise. So after reading the first three or four steps, I said, "This is a good project for someone much more electronically inclined than I."
0: So, so you're not handy with a soldering iron, is what you're saying?
1: Uh, I'm a left hander. I find that most tools are designed for right handers and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Okay. That's fine. I'm a sinister kind of guy. All right. That's an old French joke for you guys out there. All right. Not, not, well, not like an old French. It's a joke about nevermind. Um, right. Well, let's, let's go back to remote controls just for a second. Sure. So. Oh, I know where you're going to go. We gave the connection between remote controls and laser tag. Uh, we should. Of course, say that this means remote controls that are using infrared signals. Not most
0: all... most modern ones do, although right. some of them do use radio signals.
1: Right, and I wouldn't be surprised if some started to use things like you know your over your home network system or or Bluetooth. Right, or Bluetooth. That would, would be another that another one that would make sense. But um, if you go back to the early,
0: uh, <laughs> I knew you were remote go controls. There. I knew you hadn't forgotten this. No,
1: this is this is a sidebar. A sidebar on the whole uh, laser tag remote controls discussion because it it has to do with sound as opposed to light. Yes,
0: it's a sidebar on how old we are. Yeah. The old, old remote (laughs) controls
1: used ultrasonic signals in order to make your television do things. There didn't even need to be a battery in the remote control.
0: No, it didn't use a battery at all.
1: Because all you're doing is pressing a button, which caused a uh, tiny aluminum bar to vibrate at a very high frequency and ultra high frequency. Uh, and the, the receiver, once it quote unquote heard that frequency would react the appropriate way. Um, so example, examples would include power volume, that kind of thing. Sort of the, sort of similar to, um, what the, uh, the, the current remote controls do. Right. Um, this meant that if you were a uh, a fidgety child <laughs> who happened to have a who happened to have a popular uh toy that was around in the 70s um you could accidentally affect the behavior of your television. Would you like to reveal the name of said toy?
0: Oh uh well actually for me it was a different toy than it was for you. Oh uh, what was the toy for you? For me you remember those uh well they still make them the uh the magnet kits that have all the little metal pieces, and you, you can basically sort of shape the magnet. You could There are two magnets, and then you can pick up the little metal pieces and make them into a little arc. Or sure, sure, Kind of make little animals out of them. Every once in a while, I'd be playing with that thing in my grandmother's house, and she had one of these TVs uh, with the Zenith Space Command TV remote. Right. And uh, when the pieces would all fall – you know it it would I would basically make something that that had no structural integrity and it would fall in on itself as soon as it made a certain noise the chain the channel would change on the t v right and so uh, yeah, I don't know the, what those are called, so I don't have a name for it. So that, the little the things. little metal, pieces, yeah, the little metal would, pieces,
1: would vibrate at the right frequency, and yep. the television would think, "Oh, yes. I need to change the channel or or adjust their volume or whatever." Apparently, a neighbor's
0: um, dog who came by every once in a while too, their dog tags would rat, would jingle at the right frequency and change the channel. On a,
1: yeah, on for side. me, um I will tell you, it was the slinky. The
0: oh, that's slinky. slinky. It walks downstairs and, alone or in pairs. Alone
1: or in pairs, right? Uh, the slinky convinced me that I had the powers of a television god because I wouldn't even have the remote in my hands. And yet I could affect the channel and the volume, not in any predictable way. So clearly I, I had a long way to go, but I was a kid. I figured, you know, I'd grow into my godly powers and eventually use them for good and fighting crime in various television related escapades. Um, as it turns out, no, it was just that when I was moving the slinky back and forth, it was, uh, occasionally generating just the right ultra high frequency to, uh, to affect the television. Mm -hmm. Crazy stuff. Oh, and I also had another toy later on in life that does relate back to laser tag. Oh yes. Yeah. I can't let this go either. Okay. So in the late eighties, there was a. Series of toys and then a cartoon oh, that no. was truly terrible called Brave Star. Uh, go to YouTube, search for Brave Star, two R's. Yep, it's uh, actually it's technically three R's because there's one after the B, but yes, B R A V E S T A R R, and it's all one word. Brave Star was a space cowboy, some people called him Maurice, and um, he uh. He had a, he had a horse that would turn into an anthropomorphic horse. But the toys that came out had these little laser tag type backpacks and you could put one on the bad guy, one on the good guy, and you could actually have little shooting fights between the two. And the, the little backpacks would register shots and, and, and hits, which I thought was pretty darn cool. Cause I was lame. And if you try and watch one of these cartoons on YouTube, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, um, you know i have no i had no taste as a kid it's only marginally gotten better as an adult ouch all right well that that pretty much wraps up this discussion on uh, laser tag and remote controls i would say we actually st-
0: wrapped that up a few minutes ago yeah
1: we kind of did i'm sorry
0: but but no it was it was good to uh, go back to the space command thing because i i always did think that was fascinating and you know i had no idea as a kid how uh how much of pop it's easy to find go. If, if you're interested in, in that remote, there are tons and tons of photos uh of them, of varieties of them. They had them out for years, as a matter of fact, Uh for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So uh it was pretty much the first considered, as far as I can tell, the first remote uh, made only had what, like four buttons on it.
1: Yeah. The, the remote that we had before that one was me.
0: Yeah. 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 That's the one that we had for a long time until we got our first cable box. Go and change the channel, son. Or i wallop you. Turning the knob, trying yeah. to get the – the. Uh, that was my the father, HF.
1: the widely published author and scholar of American literature. Clearly, he talks just like that. I'm sure he does. Um, so okay. now that we've wrapped that up, let's go mm-hmm. on quickly to our second round of Listener Mail. This Listener Mail comes from our friend Ben Ivey, and Ben Ivey is what we call a super fan. He's also a big fan of Stuff You Should Know as well as other uh, – how Stuff Works podcasts and blogs. And Ben sent us something that was really cool. Let me read the email. We can't let Stuff You Should Know's Facebook page be the only one with fan art. So here's a little something for your consideration. It's nothing new. Perhaps in the future I'll incorporate your pictures into something. I'm a big fan of all the How Stuff Works podcasts. Please keep up the great work, Ben. So what Ben has done is he has created his own fan logo for Tech Stuff, and you can yep. actually view this on our Facebook page. We've uh, uploaded it into an album for, for fan art, and it's pretty cool. Very retro, kind of has a Transformers vibe to it, uh, the old animated series, not the uh, new new movies. But uh, So if you guys have any fan art you want to send in, you want to try your hand at something like that? You know, send it over. We might uh, upload it up to the fan page and, and have it up there on our uh, our Facebook page. Yeah, uh, It's pretty cool stuff. We look forward to seeing more of that. If you have any fan art you'd like to send or comments, questions, more topics, you can send it to our email address, which is techstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Chris and
0: I will talk to you again really soon. If you're a Tech Stuff fan, be sure to check us out on Twitter. TechStuffHSW is our handle, and you can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TechStuffHSW. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you